So if Boris Johnson can get Britain out of the EU, now it appears that Don Cherry is exiting hockey night in Canada. Miracles can potentially happen, as some may say. And regardless of your political opinion, there's a lot for us to talk about with Don Cherry and what happened over the weekend on this episode. Plenty of comments to share. Also, we're talking about whether it's good for a young guy's long-term confidence when they're dropped down to the AHL affiliate team. And why is the UK still not on NHL Global Series 2020 fixture list, but it is in the potential KHL expansion? Hmm. That's all to come on NHL Fans From Afar. Reasonably intelligent, that didn't it? Pretty good. <laughs> I'm uh, getting better. It's all, yeah. see, it's easy when Jolon's here because I just get to like, I just, I don't know. I hope that he's going to say something better, <laughs> but he never oh, does, so it's fine. We, we tried meeting up when he was in Queensland. Really? Uh, we had a bit of a chat, but he he was um, the closest stop was about fifty-ish minutes north of here, which would have been fine. It's near my work, but it was on a work day that he was coming through. Oh, uh, no. That we missed by probably about half a day. No way. Well, for those of you just like joining, this is Adam. He's over in Australia. I'm here in the UK. And we're just referencing Jolon, who I normally co-host this podcast with, who is off gallivanting the world at the moment and has been hilariously. Last season, we talked about how he'd never stayed in a hostel before, but somehow he signed up for six weeks in a camper van with his girlfriend. And I saw some uh, some pretty miserable faces, but also some amazing scenes that he's been doing. So, yeah, that would have been crazy, like, you guys meeting up just because you once both talked on a podcast about ice hockey. I love that stuff. It would have been good. It was so close, but he's um, he's been pretty busy. The photos he's sending are completely random because in Australia, they're so far apart, some of the locations. You have no idea how fast or how far he's actually traveling in between. But yeah, just miss him, but he still looks like he's having fun. Yeah, he'll be back uh, in the new year, actually. So, And he's just got a new job. So congrats, Jolon. When he comes back, it's all changed and exciting for him. Um, let's uh, recap. So your team is Detroit Red Wings minus Toronto Maple Leafs. Ah, interesting week for me. It's been a busy one. Um, how's yours? What's happening with Detroit? Can't yeah, see you all the way down there. How's it going? <laughs> oh, man. The last week's been pretty good. Um, but that's what our whole season's going to be. We've like eight-game losing streak, four games in a row of losses by four goals or more. And then we come out and beat Boston Vegas. You're like, yeah, that's what our whole season's going to be. Lose to the Rangers, lose to Ottawa, beat Boston, beat Vegas. It's, it is what it is. but. We did a pretty decent trade this week, which was pretty exciting for us. Um, picking up Fabry, Robbie Fabry from Lewis. He couldn't get a gig there, and he's come straight in on our second line. Rooney couldn't even get a run at Lewis. That's where we are. So you're not bottom of the league, though. That's uh, 
saving grace, right? Well, I think it's LA, but the last time I checked, they had two games in hand. So whether they played today, they're probably well, above us. I'm not really going to Wasn't your that. thing, if I remember rightly, that you just wanted to finish above Ottawa? Yeah, that's true. And they've already beaten us this year um, quite easily, actually. But you're currently uh, on the same that... point. So, uh... Oh, joy. Yeah, and Minnesota as well, which is also having a bit of a crash right now. So, uh, really, maybe you should up your ante and say that you want to be Ottawa and Minnesota. Well, we don't want to get too high up in the, the draft lottery. So, just, <laughs> just above Ottawa is good. 31st, 30th, something like that. That'll be a successful season as long as our young guys keep developing down in the AHL and give them already had a little bit of a, a go yeah. up in the AHL this year. But in our situation... Uh, it's probably not a good situation for them to be in at the end. Yeah, I see Toronto have had a weird week. So um, our backup goalie played, uh, I want to say it was Sunday night, and he's not had a win in five of his games. So Michael Hutchinson has been placed on waivers. Um, the talk is really that maybe they're just doing that so they figure out an alternative. But what was really interesting, actually, is just listening to some of the other hockey podcasts, is how... You know, like you kind of have these tandem goalie situations with other teams. And that with Toronto, that doesn't, it's not really how it's going to work out. Like the backup goalie is likely to only play maybe 20 games or so. Um, they're not really like a 1B. There's not a 1A and a 1B. Yeah. So who is it that they really need? You know, they don't need someone who's absolutely amazing. Mostly they've just got to come and stand up and be able to cope and get some points for the team off in the back-to-backs. Um, so the, it's, it's a weird situation because they've got a bit of money now that Mitch Marner is hurt. He's yeah. basically got an ankle injury. So cap-wise, there's a bit of money there. But it's like such a weird situation. Um, and also, they, they, these guys on uh, Hockey Central, actually, I thought they made a valid point that, so you're a backup goalie. You're coming off, um, you're not getting necessarily a lot of game time. So you've got to stand up quickly in a game. Uh, your team are tired because they played the night before. So they're never going to be on absolute form, are they? And then you've got to stand up and do it. And you're only getting like 20 games a season. And you're not really, you're not going to see someone who's more than two and a half million. So what are you honestly expecting? I mean, are they expecting someone like a Jordan Binnington, really? That you know, someone that is cheap but great and is hungry and ambitious, but they won't be here in a season. Do you know what I mean? Like a Carter Hart fourth option or last man standing and just hope that they come out of nowhere and take the job. Yeah, it it just, I feel like, uh, it's like, uh, when I was looking at, it it just feels like there's no consistency in Maple Leafs. Don't get me wrong, the last week I have watched some of the most exciting hockey games. It is exhausting as a fan watching four games every week at the moment. Like, if you have to explain to your non-hockey friends how much commitment that is, they just look at you and like, well, that's potentially 14 hours uh, a week of watching ice hockey on your own. (laughs) Not even having conversations with friends or anything. And then on top of that, a third of Leaf games this season have gone to overtime minimum right we've also had a couple of shootouts saturday we had another shootout against the flyers so let's call that 16 hours a week it is like ridiculous 
Like it's it's absolutely insane. And I mean, obviously everybody just wants their team to just put it together and make it really simple and a bit of like a Tampa Bay Lightning from last year. No bumps, no injuries, you just keep going. Like yeah, but then we know how that ended. So Well look at the upside. If you're in this many uh overtime, etc., it means you're scoring goals. We don't know what a goal looks like sometimes. Yeah, but we're not defending. That's how we yeah, get. Yeah, I know. Well, that's it. Your backup goal is getting a lot of work. <laughs> exactly. Your team can mostly outscore everybody. <laughs> Literally, I just sometimes I want to scream. Um, I just don't. I don't understand how we're going to do that. But yeah, it was like um, one of the other podcasts that I listened to this week. Because I know you listen to loads of different stuff. I'm interested to know what else. What else you listen to? Um, one that I like knew that I picked up. I mean, there's the obvious ones like um. 31 Thoughts, uh, 360, um, but NHL at the rink. Um, mm. And I listened to it and, it and it really gave me a different perspective. Um, it was one that was a couple of weeks old. I love listening when I'm driving. Um, you know, instead of the boring radio talking about Brexit, I'd rather listen to a hockey podcast, you know, just on endless loop. And um, they had Mike McKenna on. Um, former goalie played for pretty much everyone and uh, he has his own podcast which i'm going to go check out six degrees uh i think it is um six as in the number not the word and um they were he, he basically he's he's retired now but he's come on board with um the golden knights as one of their commentary team and he was talking about like the kind of um role of a commentator actually and how it's not just about saying who's scored and who's injured. It's about giving people an explanation as to, well, why did they score? Why did they let that goal in? And he said that he still goes and plays with the team from time to time because that helps him understand on the ice um, how the players work. He gets to see those little things. He feels the power of the shot of whoever it is when he's in goal. So he can bring that to his commentary. Um, but also from his point of view, that because he's a goalie through and through, he's always, when the games are on, how he watches a game, he's not following the puck like you and I would. He's just looking at what the goalies are doing. So he's had to retrain his mind to watch the game in a different way. Yeah. Um, I thought that I just, it was really interesting. Um, and then they also threw a bit of trivia. Okay, so this is my trivia fact of the week. Um, so 3% of Canada's population live in Saskatchewan, in that tiny little place in the middle of Canada. You're, you're an American yeah, um, team, aren't you? Um, 3% the population live there, but yet 10% of players in the NHL come from yeah. Saskatchewan. Like yeah, one in 10 players. That that's insane, isn't it? I was like, I love that fact. I'm totally writing that down. I pulled over and I was like, got to write that down. <laughs> I was like, that's insane. Isn't it? Uh, you know, that place that none of us can say, none of us can spell. Um, yet it holds such an important part to the history of hockey and the future, I suppose. So what else do you listen to? Because I know there must be so much. We've obviously got for Toronto, we've got Hockey Central. We've got Steve Dangle. There's just there's just so many podcasts out there and stuff and resources for Leafs. But is there a lot of decent stuff for Red Wings? Um, it's getting there. Um, the most 
I'd say the most well-known one at the moment is Wing Wheeled Podcast. And they're just three mates who just started talking Red Wings about five years ago. And they're all Canadians. They're, um, yeah, they're all Canadians who support Detroit. So they're in a Toronto-saturated media sort of area. And they were saying they weren't even getting information that they needed or wanted. So they started doing their research. They've come a long way. Um, a couple of the guys they've talked to who write The Athletic now started one called Wings for Breakfast. It's only been going for three or four weeks now. It's yeah, really The Athletics active. really pushed their podcast yeah. um, thing this year, haven't they? They've just done a podcast yeah. for every single team, which is great. It's, it's, really, it's really analytical. Yeah, they break down, like they look at all the stats really intense that way. Um, whereas the wing world is more about what's going on at the club, coach strategy, players, player movement, contracts, all that sort of stuff. Um, Puck Soup was the first podcast I listened to. It was um, the guy, Dave Wazinski, used, used to work for ESPN, or sorry, still work for ESPN. But it was one that him and his mates were doing, so they could swear they could talk trash or whatever and not have to worry about what they're saying and it, it's fantastic and they always have a section about pop culture they're all into their wwe and their marvel movies and all this sort of stuff and they blend that in at the end random um and pop culture started two weeks ago that's run by a female host um jackie redmond who i think works for sports yeah Stop my head yeah, I think she does some of the um, oh, Wednesday night hockey uh, panels occasionally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So she's just started. I haven't listened to that one much, but they're the, the main ones. And then um, since Stud Fantasy, then HL Fantasy on Ice. The guys on there are good. They're like 25, 26 minutes long each. But yeah. they're, the, um, they're the main ones. And then if you want something a bit... <laughs> Crass and a bit dirty sometimes. Spitting chiclets is pretty. Um, can't pretty I can't I can't <laughs> abide that stuff. I just think it, it's boys being boys and yeah, it's pretty full on. It's just it's just vile. Not for yeah. Me. I've only I've only got through well, I think one ever whole episode, but it's really popular. Really yeah, it's, yeah, it's hugely popular. Yeah, but see the the stuff that I end up listening to. You know, like I run my own business. Um, so I'm really intrigued by like the mindset of like the GMs and the coaches mm. and the execs and stuff. So the NHL Executive Suite um, podcast is also quite interesting because you really get to understand like the path that some of these guys have come into hockey. And not all of them have um, been hockey players either. They've come from normal jobs. Um, like I listened to the one with Carl Dubas um, and I don't really know much about the guy you know I just know he's a young GM came under the wing of Lou Lamorello I mean what better <laughs> like training can you get right but actually his path started so many years before back when he was a teenager he was playing but he knew he wasn't really going to be any good um, but right from the offset of being young he was helping out in his local club um, and then started, he got his qualification to be the youngest agent um, at the time. Then if it was like in Canada or youngest professional agent to ever have this qualification. 
and he was he was working as an agent whilst he was at uni you know so it was like actually for me i kind of felt like he just came out of nowhere but really the seed was planted with him right from when he was a teenager learning about the business of hockey um and i thought that was really really fascinating and even right from the coach where he became sorry the club where he became gm i forget the name of it really small but passionate place uh french name i can't remember someone's gonna be screaming at me listening to this now anyway you can go find out but his granddad was also gm of that same club so it was that kind of small town hockey the hockey club is the passion like when the hockey club are doing bad the town was angry and they were like sending you awful letters of like yeah gm well you've got to sort it out you need to go you know and then like when the then the club were doing really well it was like oh it's not gonna last <laughs> it was just yeah. like it was just really really interesting so in a way that kind of that that passionate vitriol, if that's the right phrase, kind of really set him up for working in the Toronto market because I imagine the, um, you know, you're just looking at the Don Cherry stuff, which we'll get into in a second. It, Toronto is a very noisy, competitive, shouty market. You know, everyone's looking for their line. There needs to be a story every single day. So any little common, any little look even probably the way they have to sit in the stands and watch the game you know like if their eyebrow moves too much it's going to be a story in toronto sun the next day it's like really i just i find that stuff fascinating more so than listening to bit and chicklets where they're just boys just being whatever not my scene and and uh but hey there's something for everyone you've got a lot of podcasts how on earth do you spend time listening to that and also the fact that you're not just a hockey fan like you follow loads of different sports as well like at what point do you actually get to hang out with your wife and kids and have a job (laughs) that's uh when i get home from work and then when um son goes to bed at seven it's kind of like a two and a half hour period in the afternoon and then before i leave in the work uh leave for work in the morning and then weekends (laughs) Weekends are no podcast, and I pay for it on Monday morning. So I'm just looking at my phone now, and there's one, two, three, four, five, five that were updated today. They're all about an hour each, and I've got about an hour commute, so I'll get through two today, and then try and prioritise the next day. That's in between Premier League, NFL, hockey, um, baseball. That's insane. It all blends together sometimes. I've only, in between all the sporting teams, um, there's one doing well. So it's getting a bit tiring at the moment. <laughs> but the, see, the thing is, so I, my job obviously is making podcasts yet. So I do this for fun, but in my real job, I make podcasts for businesses and stuff. And um, the, the stat is that the average podcast listener subscribes to six podcasts. So oh, you're, you're, you've gone deep, man. <laughs> You've gone deep. Uh, uh, so actually, I'd, one yeah, over twenty, I'd say at least. One thing um, I do just want to um, shout out: I, I retweeted it on our Twitter account at NHL Fans from Afar, and um, I <laughs> I jumped in Joe on seat the other day. He actually uh, is part of the North American Sports Team on BBC Five Live, and whilst he's away, um, they just called on me to talk a bit about hockey the other night. And it was on, well, I want to say, like, 
Thursday night, Friday, early morning. So I retweeted the link um, because they actually did an interview, which was really gripping. It was like a 20 minute interview with this guy called Brock McGillis. Um, and NHL supporters might not have heard who he is because he never played in the NHL, but he is, he calls himself or was a professional ice hockey player. And um, he is, he came out as gay a few years ago and has kind of really been an activist in challenging why more um, gay ice hockey players are not able to take the confidence to come out and um, has been challenging and trying to work with the NHL to encourage that. Uh, But it's also meant that he's been connecting with people across the world. And last week, um, the reason this story came around and why Five Live got involved uh, was in the Finnish league, a young guy ahead of their pride game, I can't remember the name of the club, came out as gay. And uh, it, it's still like kind of considered unusual, like not the norm, but not necessarily as we kind of talked it through, like after the interview, um, James and Mitch, who are presenting North American sports at the moment, um, kind of asked me for my opinion on that. And, and we kind of got into this debate where we thought, well, actually, is this like a wider cultural thing? It's not just ice hockey. It's just a sport thing in general, like the male sport. Why is it not okay for players um, to come out? It was it was really fascinating, gripping listen. So I'd recommend just go dip into that. It's only 20 minutes. I think the link that you have to follow is for a program called Up All Night and you have to skip an hour in because it's a three-hour program. And so they just carve out the second hour full, just nothing but North American sports. And it's funny actually because um, James and Mitch are baseball and NFL fans. They don't know anything about hockey or basketball, really. So they kind of call on people to talk about hockey and basketball to help them out. Um, but they're really passionate people who are mad fans from afar, as we all are, trying to follow yeah. on crazy time zones. So um, I definitely uh, I'm endorsing you guys to go and tap into that because it's, it's just such a unique thing that we never kind of hear that conversation on all the podcasts that we consume. Um, and I think it's an important important thing to kind of rumble on and debate and my question was whether with um these pride jerseys that we see these pride games is it just a tick box for the nhl tick we've done our part for diversity are they actually making waves and doing things to encourage guys it's all right to come out if you are gay do you know what i mean and we know that hockey fans are hugely passionate and uh, and as we're about to kind of discuss now with the whole Don Cherry thing, when you kind of mix sports and politics, it can get ugly. It can get pretty messy. Um, it's fine when you're talking about, well, their power play is really poor and, um, you know, that, got, that referee should have called this or called that. But it gets deeply personal when it's people's opinions about politics. Um, so, yeah, it's a weird, murky thing, isn't it? It's one of the, the many things that makes sport. Unfortunately, it's like it's one of those parts of, of, of sport as a whole thing, and it's why we love it. It's constantly changing. There's constantly controversy. There's constantly emotions being involved, and you're drawn to certain things. Unfortunately, this one's in a, a negative spotlight that happened. Um, and, and Bruce said it, and what he said, you could see the passion of, with with which he was talking, he was using his platform to get it across, which was 
probably not the right time and right place to do it. Um, and then the people condemning him for it were speaking with the same amount of passion, but it all, without hockey, we wouldn't have even known who this person was. So it's, along when you're saying sport and politics, uh, it is it's a very murky area, but I think it's always going to be there and things like this are going to happen, but it's hopefully that every time something like this does happen, hopefully people learn from it so it's not repeated. Um, and I think when you said with the, the franchise where they're ticking the box, I think that's like a, a media part of it. And I don't know how much we'd really know what's going on behind the scenes, how much work they do with the players. Um, we could try and follow our teams as much as possible from where we are. But I think those sort of things, those little ones that you'd only hear and see in and around the team in that sort of area and you see the work they do in the community, sometimes all we can only see is what they've posted on their social media saying Dylan Larkin's been helping out at the local hospital and showing those things the soup kitchen, the work that they're doing one-on-one with the players with regards to their sexuality or their religious views. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's a side of the clubs that we're all e- ever really going to see until players. It's so watered time. down, isn't it? The PR mm-hmm. stuff is just so watered down that it's just it's almost clinical. So you're right. You don't see that kind of human aspect until we hear them on talking openly on podcasts. You know, like mm. the the way that they, these guys get to talk openly on podcasts is great because we feel as listeners like a direct connection to these people whereas watching stuff on i don't know wednesday night and hockey sunday a hockey hockey night in canada it just feels so kind of watered down and and clinical that it, it's very rare to kind of see that the story behind it the human aspect i'm um, sure it does happen but it's not that's just not 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 i don't know what sells what what interest the majority but i think that work would be going on behind the scenes especially for those who want or need or, or look for the help for it which i think would be good and I, I as a fan i i hope and hope that it does happen even if we don't see it mm. let's get into the, the the messiness of this so there's a couple of tweets that have been sent in with uh, some questions for us as well, which we will reference from Tom and uh, from Brit Bolt as well. Um, the Don Cherry thing, okay, we've obviously got to talk about this. So, I mean, where to start, really? So many people are just like, what on earth? I obviously follow a Canadian team. I follow the Leafs, and every Saturday I watch Hockey Night in Canada. That's where my games come from. So for as long as I've been a Leafs fan, I've watched Hockey Night in Canada. But I've got to be honest, that intermission, the first intermission, I've skipped it. I've skipped it for years because Coach's Corner for me has just turned into a ramble um, and also just basically an obituary of people that I don't know who they are. And, And I wasn't enjoying it. For me, I enjoy the panel analyst stuff. I love the stuff in second intermission. I'm there. I'm listening. I'm listening to the pre-game analyst stuff. I'm listening to the, any post-game stuff that I can because I want to get the bigger picture. I want to hear what these experts have got to say. Coach's Corner for me faded in my interest a long time ago. And you know, just reading through some of the comments over the last like season, actually, as we did this last series, this isn't 
these aren't new comments that people have kind of felt that potentially Don Cherry more specifically has been out of touch um, and people have been using the word dinosaur really that he doesn't represent the, the direction of where the sport is really going um, and no surprises that it, this isn't a first time offence for him if we're going to put it in the old uh, you know um, player association speak um, so you can you know you guys can go and read up on all of this stuff um, about his history and that but what happened on Saturday using that phrase you people was really the two words that ultimately cost him his job and um, Sportsnet put out an official statement saying that his views don't represent um, their uh, company or Rogers as well Ron McLean um, actually used Sunday his broadcast on Sunday to in my opinion I felt that it was quite heartfelt he admitted his own personal wrong in that he should have called Don up on what he said and how guilty he felt that at the end of the segment, he even put his thumbs up as a way of kind of even endorsing, not just Lennox slide, but endorsing what Don had just said. Um, and so it, I kind of thought, well, I want to know what's Don saying on this. So I, I, as a journalist, right, I like to kind of go and see the fors, the against, all the facts, okay? We can, we can flood ourselves in this stuff with opinions. And the only place that I could see any kind of um, article was on the Toronto Sun and I tweeted some of the quotes for this on our Twitter um, feed and I also shared it on our Slack group as well um, and it was quite shocking actually uh, I mean this is only Toronto Sun saying this and saying that they managed to get him on a phone interview so you know there's no second or third source on this it's just what the Toronto Sun are saying that uh, uh, Don Ferry says I cannot be turned into a tame robot. If I have to watch everything I say, it isn't coach's corner. Um, I know what I said and I meant it. Um, he said that his words were not racial or bigoted, but patriotic and respectful of our troops. Um, I mean, certainly at no point there was the word sorry. There was no apology um, for offence. And I, I just, I kind of found that quite shocking actually um yeah what what are you thinking about because obviously you don't watch hockey night in canada you're kind of like jumping on this from afar really aren't you and you're not following a canadian team so as an australian who follows an american team what do you think about uh, something that happened on a canadian broadcast <laughs> well the only times i've ever heard about don cherry being negative um and so I, look, I looked in and, and saw how much of a servant he's been of the game for such a long time. Player, coach, um, commentator. There's just no, personally for me, there's no place for how he puts forward his opinion. And I think a lot of what he said, a lot of people agree with that we support our uh, military or we support this or we support that but in the way that he said it goes how um, out of touch he is with the world and 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 i one of my first thoughts was he was one of the only ones against the um canes last year and their storm surge celebrations about how they look like a bunch of jerks jerks yeah um out on the ice and this isn't hockey and hockey's not meant to be fun after the game and all this sort of stuff and you're trying to build a brand and get people involved mm. um probably not the sort of person you want 
on a yeah. prolonged time of work doing that sort of it was interesting actually that paul who um is one of the guys from scotland who's a carolina hurricanes fan who we had on a couple of weeks ago actually on the podcast <laughs> he did just reply to me hashtag jerk um yeah, I saw that. which uh, did, did laugh you know and, and he also kind of threw the tuppence of saying um you know he's so far out of touch with the modern game his sacking was only a matter of time due to his continuing onslaught of controversial opinions that said he never actually put me up nor down so it, it, you know it is that that kind of put him put him in the limelight didn't it that comment last year but this has been rumbling on for a, a long long time ago i just gotta say actually one comment that we received from tom um who's also sent us another question i'll get to in a second he's put here which i thought was very interesting about the stereotype of hockey and you know you go on nhl.com go to the news page and you scan through and it is white man after white man after white man and they're trying very hard to break that stereotype um, and so Tom's put, I've seen, sometimes seen hockey get accused of being too white. I know from experience, hockey fans tend to be the nicest and most inclusive people you meet. And we all want the game to grow. But comments like that from Don Cherry certainly harm the hockey is a white man's game stereotype. Um, and, you know, this is where we're bringing into politics and moving away from the game. But that does, I, I totally see where he's coming from on that. I think that's a... Yeah a very considered balanced response to the situation. And one of the Red Wing, uh, the Wing Wheel podcasts, um, fellas, he's all about hockey and his parents are Iranian immigrants. And he said hockey in Canada and growing up with it and playing it and being part of it, they do everything fit in with that, with that society. And hockey is a huge part of it. And it's such a multicultural game in the junior levels and the senior levels in, in, from what he's seen. And from his point of view, comments like that put all of that work that all the other people are doing in, in lower, lower um, systems, lower levels of hockey that are trying to multiculturalise the sport more. It's just kind of egg on the face of all those sort of people putting all those hard yards in. Um, he found it very, like, personally offended. No, he was very personally offended by it. And he, this is a guy who lives, breathes hockey and is pretty much making a job of it, out of it now. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's from an immigrant uh, um, point of view as well. But Yeah, actually, I mean, one of the things that I went on a bit like of a, a wander this morning when I was setting up this podcast just wanted to see like what are some of the other the other broadcasters saying about this like is Elliot Friedman saying anything is Steve Dangle saying anything and naturally a lot of those guys are just keeping quiet because they can't win whatever they say um the athletic I think have been fantastic in getting a lot their writers are hugely diverse anyway um and and they have I suppose they have a bit more freedom, a bit like we do actually doing this podcast now to talk about this stuff because we're not bound by, you know, broadcasting rules and regulations in the same way. Um, and just some of the articles that they've written have been fantastic. Where is the one that I read Up on from? Basu? Is that the one you're talking about? No. I was asked to write about Don Cherry. I reluctantly did so because unfortunately I am somewhat uniquely qualified. 
there's a dark-skinned Middle Eastern man. No, that's so part I, of the problem. Yeah, I saw uh, Sanaya um, Sapurji, Indian writer with The Athletic, um, and talked about how there is no question that Cherry is a Canadian icon, um, but an icon of Canada's past. Um, mm. So, uh, and it's just kind of put, this isn't the first time Don Cherry has spewed racism and xenophobia on the air, but it should be the last. Um, and that was obviously written before Sportsnet announced that he'd gone. And, and um, I mean, the only, the only retweet I saw from um, Steve Dangle, I think, um, he'd retweeted uh, another writer, Scott somebody. Sorry, it's half a story. But anyway, the, the point of it is, is relevant. Um, and this Scott said that his granddad had fought in the war and, um, and he was wearing a poppy and he went into like a subway or Timmy Hortons or whatever to go get a coffee. And the person behind the counter, um, you know, I don't know what nationality they were, but they weren't necessarily born from Canada. And, they, and the young girl asked, why are you wearing a red rose? And uh, this guy, Scott, said, um, well, it's not a red rose, actually, it's a red poppy. And she was like, well, why are you wearing a red poppy? And so he explained and took time out to kind of say, um, you know, and it's to remember my granddad and all of his um, comrades that fought uh, representing Canada in the war. And she was actually genuinely interested to understand and learn more about it. And that's the point of this stuff. Isn't it? It's about educating and sharing stories and knowledge, not pointing fingers. Um, and that's where I think that this, if I look through our Twitter feed and our Slack feed, the word dinosaur comes up a lot. I think that's what a lot of you guys listening are, are using as the phrase for him. So the next question really is who, who takes his place? What do they do? Like, it kind of, I mean, it will be fascinating to see what they do this Saturday. This Saturday, Hockey Night in Canada is going to have the most viewers ever because everyone's going to be watching the first intermission to see what Sportsnet going to do. Snoop Dogg, why don't we put Snoop yeah. Dogg? That, you, you retweeted that, didn't you? Snoop oh, Dogg. Man, was, he contained himself pretty well, but man, see how excited he got in the booth because they, they had him on and it was just perfect timing because the fight broke out as well. Shall I see if so, I can play this for us now? Let's see whether well, it lets me um, share my screen and I'll see if I can play this. Share computer sounds. Let's find out um, so that people can kind of listen. I haven't listened to this either, so this is going to be unique. Okay, here we go. Hands up. Oh, watch oh. out. Oh, he stole on him. He final cut. Hold on now. Oh, get it cracking then. Let's go. Snoop Dogg in the house. Let me see some. Drop the sticks, man. Let's get cracking, man, to the middle of the rink. Let's go. Number three wanted. I like that. Who is number three for us? Dion foot up. Dion, go get cracking, Dion. Yeah, him. go get him, Dion. Get him, Dion. Move, Dion. Get out the way. Go get him. Here we go, go get him. Still, still charring with him. Well, chirping. Okay, right, right. I like that. So when they do get into a competition like that, the referee has the, the, the sole control power to say, y'all not going to fight, right? Mm. They can tell you that. You don't have to listen. Well, they listen right there. Yeah, yeah. See the big boys get in, the linesmen. Those guys have the toughest job. Okay, all right, all right. So that was just mushing going on. It was more mushing than yeah, fighting. Yeah. Face wash. Okay, all, face right, wash. all right, all right, all right. Those gloves are stinky. That's why I love this sport, off. man. That's why I love this, because you got to be 100% man to play this, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, was... Got the sticks, <laughs> me. You know the ice, man. 
<laughs> that would be brilliant. Oh my god. Could you imagine? You just wouldn't know what to do yourself. I mean, this is the thing. It's like I don't want to be skipping my intermission breaks. I want to be watching every single minute of my broadcast. That imagine, you know, when I'm sat in my in my pajamas watching my hockey on Sunday morning, having my breakfast, and then that comes on. I need to be like jumping out of my bed, like what is going on? That's brilliant. He was bouncing in the commentary seat. You can tell he doesn't watch hockey. He's like he's he's very much into his um NFL and his basketball. But that was well, because they brought awesome. him in last year, didn't they? They got Snoop Dogg to do a series with NHL explaining all the different parts of the sport. So he broke down what a power play was. How have you not seen this? I've you not need... seen that, no. Oh, my God. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Dude, it was so good. Yeah, he just did like a whole bunch of series because I guess what they're trying to do is raise the profile. You know how, like we said before, when we last spoke, that Green Day are kind yeah. of, you know, associated with the sport. Um, all these big you know, stars that they have. So then to raise the profile, yeah, they got Snoop Dogg last year to do these these films and it was just like, oh my God. I mean, it, 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 they're short and sweet and um, there's plenty of them. So maybe what you can do to add it into your crazy week, you can just watch one a day. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we've kind of added something a bit lighter from what is really quite a serious and ugly situation and a major change to broadcasting in Canada's sport offerings really um it will be fascinating well I didn't realize as well um I was wondering the other day where's Nick Kiprios where's Doug McLean and apparently Sportsnet came to an end with them as their contract so big changes happening um with Sportsnet at the moment it would be very interesting to see what they do and a chance for TSN who certainly from the Leafs they share the games will be interesting to see how they kind of use this well i noticed with tsn in comparison to sportsnet they are starting you know talked about the human story stuff they have been doing a lot more um kind of like doc films so before one of the games of the week um oh this is terrible i've forgotten the name of the two brothers um they don't play Hughes. for the leafs hey Hughes brothers it wasn't wasn't Hughes. They're not that high profile. But the tubers and, and the dad basically um, are taking his own life. And um, they interviewed the two brothers and the mom about the impact that it had had on them. And it was before the game. And it was like, wow, what are you doing to me, guys? This is like really, it was really emotional. But again, it's kind of showing that people want to talk about this more personal stuff and and how it had impacted them and one, actually, I think one of the players did come to play for the Leafs for a few games last year, and then he was traded. Oh, I'm going to have to find it, and I will tweet the link, because it must be on their YouTube. But, um, yeah, that's interesting how TSN are doing that, and I haven't seen as much from that from Sportsnet. But they're more about opinion and analysis, so I don't know. I don't get either, so. Right, let's just have a, a look around. So, Blues have got seven wins in a row six of them on the road and that's without Tarasenko who's out obviously long term at the moment everyone's like oh god crap everyone's checking their schedule now like when do we next play the Blues um Sharks are back on a bit of a winning streak you know we've all kind of been thinking hang on a sec what on earth's going on here they've basically they're I think they're completing six games at home at the moment 
Um, and they've been making the most out of it. So they've got three out of five wins uh, on this home run at the moment. Yeah. So that's helping them kind of move up the table. Yeah. Coyotes beat Washington in a shootout last night. Caps, they've been playing well, Arizona. Yeah. Well, Caps have as well, because it, it felt like they're kind of at the top and no one's taking them. And that's the first time the Caps have lost in seven wins. But yeah, Arizona... Uh, they've got one of the best tandems, the um, Coyotes, their goals. When any rat non-injured, um, Darcy Kemper, they're one of the best. Yeah, goalie tandems. And they're just working really well and, yeah, creeping their way up there. And what are they sitting Not third in the Pacific, so that's not bad, is it? I mean, Buffalo have yeah. now got four losses and they've dropped right down to nineteenth. So they're, well, that's what they're, they did last year. Yeah, exactly. Philadelphia on the meet and the on the other hand, have got four wins. They um came back to it's like history was repeating itself. Oh, it's another Saturday night game against Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's go to a shootout. Let's not, please. Well, they, they got so, Toronto and Boston in two games, didn't they? Two in yeah. a row. Yeah. They are yeah. one to watch. Yeah, we're on our West Coast trip. So we just had Vegas and then we've got Ducks, Kings and Sharks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Ducks are my wife's team and they've already beaten us once. Yeah, so yeah. we need to get one back on them. Um, let me just look at a couple of the tweets. So I asked the question earlier about... Um, other than Don Cherry, what else do people want us to talk about? Um, Tom sent us a message saying, I'm wondering which team will tank after Christmas. There's usually one. <laughs> we were saying Buffalo from that, that answer. <laughs> um, we'll tank on purpose. Um, well, the you. Don't have to, yeah, yeah, well, we can play as good as we can. Um, it's just not going to be You don't even have to hit the puck. No. No, no. Like when we played the other day, like we when we go around to big teams, we're playing pretty well. It's when we versus the not so good teams, they make us look like even, even which yeah. But an actual team, it's kind of like a team that's going to be on the borderline of a wild card, eh? And they got to make the decision: do we? Do we go in to the playoffs or do we just be a seller and, and look for the draft? There's Columbus, a couple. Maybe? Yeah, you know what? I was kind of looking at Columbus and New York Rangers because it kind of feels oh, like okay. they're off a bit of shaky start, like start really. They're very 50-50 in their wins and losses. Um, mm-hmm. Columbus have just seen Nick Foligno um, has been suspended for three games as well, um, which is a big blow to them, actually. He's such a central figure for their team. Um, and New York Rangers, um, uh, not, it's like, I mean, we've got Jamie on next week, um, who's an, our New York Rangers fan. Um, and he was kind of saying, we just need to put something together. And I think they went out in overtime um, in their last game. So <laughs> things are, it's just inconsistent, I think, which is why there are sitting in that lower middle part of the table. Um, but it feels like it could go either way. And, um, and just another thing, you know, I, I kind of threw it out at the start of this um, podcast about that question around, um, is it good for a young guy's long-term confidence when they drop down to the AHL affiliate team? The reason this kind of came to my mind, again from the NHL at the Rink podcast, um, 
the guys are talking and they mentioned it to Mike McKenna as well about how helpful it is because he was someone that dipped in between AHL, NHL, AHL, NHL all the time. Um, and whether that can help, you know, because a lot of time the guys get drafted, they get dropped into the, 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 the light that is shone on you to perform very quickly, intense pressure. And if your team around you isn't actually performing, um, it doesn't give you that kind of chance to be like, I can do this. And if you're, if you're kind of sitting there and struggling, that, that isn't great for your mindset. So actually, whilst you're young and you're developing and you need to kind of keep working on your game, is it better to put you down in the AHL where you can get a few goals, you can get back your confidence and you bring that kind of energy when you return back to the NHL and then you kind of move up into the main team when you're really ready? I mean, there are some teams who... They just need their star players to hit the ground running and perform because they don't have anybody else. Um, but I thought that was a really interesting. And, and they were talking about Capo Caco and that he, it, like whether, whether New York Rangers can wait, they can kind of get him to work on his skills and build his confidence because what more can he really do and provide the team right now? It's something I'll check. Know, get Jamie's opinion on next week but you you have a lot of players that switch up and down between AHL and, and NHL I guess it's also that you're kind of in a rebuild stage at the moment so it's like okay what kind of style who works with who pairing that kind of stuff is yeah. that true yeah it's um the AHL can be used in a in a, in a bunch of different ways so um we've used it two different ways this year like our AHL affiliate team, Grand Rapids, has four first-round draft picks at the moment in their team um, from the Red Wings. So you've got their top line and their second centre all first-round NHL draftees that there's no point of them playing for Detroit right now because our team at the NHL level is literally like a dumpster fire. They could spend the whole NHL season at that level and get beaten down for a whole season, yeah, they're going to maybe develop physically, um, mentally and skill-wise. How much time do they get to work on that sort of stuff when you're getting beaten 5-0, 6-1, 4-1? Our goal differential is minus 33 already. Um, for a 19, 20-year-old first-round draft, it's not the best environment to hone your skills, whereas the AHL, you're still playing it semi-professional, playing it fully grown men who have been in there for two, three, four, five seasons. Um, and if you get your first round picks within a couple of years, then yeah, they start developing chemistry, playing together. And when the time calls for it, you can bring them up for seven games like we did with Philip Zadina last year, who was number seven overall. Um, we've got Joe Valeno down there, who was number 30 overall. He's been in both Red Wings senior training camps the last two years. Um, Moritz Sider, our number six pick from last year, instead of sending back to Germany, he's playing in that AHL as an 18-year-old defender and he's averaging half a point a game, which is outstanding. That'll be a 40-point season. So in that case, for a, a rebuilding team like us, where you're going to have a losing season, losing seasons, 
do you want them in that sort of losing environment while they hone their skills or do you want them gaining the confidence while they build the skills? Um, in that way, it, it's used quite a lot with, with, a, um, with your lower end sort of NHL teams at the time. Um, the other thing is when you're rebuilding, it's just another body. If you get an injury and they're playing in that, they jump up for two weeks. And it's a massive boost for their salary if they do come up in the NHL because they're on an NHL wage rather than the AHL wage. Um, even if they get called up and end up sitting in the stands, they still get paid at that higher level. Um, and the other side of it is that we've done with um, Jonathan Erickson. We're just not going to use him again this year because he's too old, slow, injured, unskilled. Um, so we drop him down there to open a spot on the, the top team for a young guy who has developed and is ready, like um, a Dennis Jalowski who's 21. And he's he'd be a, a third-line defender in most year contenders or maybe not even in the team. But for us right now, he's a second or third-line, a second or third-pairing defender, and he's getting experience. Um, so for a team in our position, it's very... The, the players see the benefit of it, I think. And when they do come up, they're coming up in form with confidence and you try to bring that into the, uh, into the NHL setup. Um, I'm just looking at our AHL team. Like there is some, like Philip Zadina is an out and out goal scorer. Michael Rasmussen was a, a, a top 10 pick. Um, Zadina was a top 10 pick. Joe Valeno was a first round pick. Uh, Moritz Sider was a number six pick. So in like two years. They're going to be fireworks. They're yeah. like, they're the players to watch. Yeah. Um, I it's, mean, it's, uh, it, this, this is, is, AHL is not my area of specialism. And actually, you know, I don't know about you, but I've never watched an AHL game. Have you? Good. Yeah. You have? Yeah. yeah I just, like well, just, there's enough there's enough hockey to be and it's enough to keep up with the NHL and have a life and a job um but it, it's something that I kind of keep one eye open for and actually one of the guys who um uh we've had on the podcast a few times and does his own podcast now Mark Rackham um who is also a Leafs fan but uh writes a lot um of stuff about the AHL his podcast Hockey Across the Pond and uh, really kind of delved into a bit more of the scene for the AHL um he's the man to kind of specialize in this stuff far better than i can but you could really see the benefits in a team like toronto maple leaf where pretty much it all blew up five years ago and now the skill and talent and the fact that we're at the point where we're like okay hyman's coming back so who are we gonna who are we gonna let go oh i don't know because <laughs> actually there's there's a lot of guys that have had their chance to really shine and the importance of having a good farm team um that affiliates uh, really do work um, yeah it's fascinating it's just I suppose sometimes people think when a uh, player is dropped from NHL to AHL that that's almost like initially I think when you come to the sport you're like that's a slight on them like oh they're not they weren't good enough for the NHL but actually looking at it from a different perspective actually just buys some some time to keep up their ice time um, you know build their mindset um to just keep working on their skills um without kind of sitting and just only i don't know 
not getting as much ice time on the fourth line or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's interesting. Yeah, he usually like uh, I just watched uh, some highlights, not the whole game, just highlights the other day, and I said I mentioned more excited before. He's eighteen. And he put a shot on, and actually knocked uh, a man. I didn't know the opposition. Um, player his skill level or whatever actually knocked him off his feet pushed him out of the way to go get the puck you try doing that to uh i don't know a jeff carter or something for the kings as an 18 year old in the nhl and try to um intimidate an opposition or put your stamp on the ice or whatever it's not gonna it's not gonna go too well for you yeah mm-hmm. and I, I don't i i think a lot of it's not that their skills not good enough it's are they physically developed for the one a game the recovery the grind of a whole season that's that's something different and defenders take a longer time generally with their positioning and all that sort of stuff mm. and unfortunately if he was up in the red wings right now our veteran um positioning's not their uh forte we'll say so they're not going to actually there's a joke in Detroit that our Grand Rapids team would probably beat our NHL team on any given night with the amount of talent that's in there and the fact that they're all playing together. Wow. And that would be a great game, so wouldn't it? Why don't Ooh. they do that? That would be brilliant. Well, they do. Like, the start of the season, it's pretty much these two teams combined, red versus white at training camp. The ones who don't make the first squad are in AHL. Like they, their season tickets have sold, sold out before the season starts. They saw what the lineup was going to be. That's amazing. Like, every defender watch. on that team have played, has played in the NHL. One, two, three, four, five. Sorry, out of the eight defenders, six have played in the NHL. Wow. So that really kind of shines a different light on AHL. It's not that bad, is it? That's no. basically your sum up. It's not, yeah. a, it's not, a, it's not a bogey uh, league. Actually, there's a lot of great talent in there. Yeah, um, you see some goals and stuff in there and it's like the, the cream rises the, the the cream still rises to the top like Joe Valeno last year almost averaged two points a game over a whole season like you're not going to do that mm. that'd be what 164 point pace in NHL and we saw how dominant Kucherov was last year and he finished with what 128 yeah. so it's still 40 points short of that like there's still that gap um, so you can still dominate it if you're good enough Mm. Uh, but you still there's still that adjustment to be made when you come to the NHL intensity grind recovery yeah yeah but I I, I think when you're talking about your your backup goalie sort of situation with Toronto um what what's the goalie situation like in I don't know Toronto's feeder team who, who they are or or what their goalies, who their goalies are, who your goalies are, sorry. Toronto Marley's um, are a really hot team. Oh, you yeah. beat us actually the other day now that you've said that. They, they pretty much beat everyone, mate. Uh, they, yeah. they're, they're fantastic. And, um, you know, and that's what I mean. I'm ashamed to say that I've never watched uh, any of their games. But uh, and right now I don't know who, who they have in goal because I thought that the Toronto Maple Leafs situation was done and sorted. And here we are again. So, yeah. 
right. one it's going to be one that i will definitely be watching and reading over the next week and when we bring the podcast back next week i wonder what we'll be talking about hmm. let so me just like, re- yeah. Yeah. yeah well we will we will watch and see let me just um uh because man we've been talking ages haven't we Let's recap on a couple of things. Next year's global series, okay? Yes. So uh, we bang on a lot because we recognize that most people who listen to this podcast live outside North America. So they're curious. Okay, global. Where are these pictures going to be? And there was a bit of, um, I think that you probably missed off the UK here. as a little bit of that going on on Twitter last week. They announced Germany, Czech Republic, Switzerland, and Finland. That's going to be the fixtures or the, the locations for next year. Uh, but then almost like within, I don't know if it's the same day or the day before, what's really bizarre was that, and apparently this isn't the first time the story has kind of come around. It came around four years ago and nothing came of it. And here we are again. Um, plenty of the guys shared blog posts about this. But the KHL are looking to expand. and some of the locations that they've picked out potentially london and i think reading as well um and it just seemed really weird like is there an appetite for the khl i don't know many ice hockey fans i mean i don't know many ice hockey fans in the uk anyway but many ice hockey fans that actually follow the khl i understand the nhl yeah periphery i know what the ahl and the echl is but I couldn't really tell you the name of the teams in the KHL. So I know probably know more about some of the European leagues, the DEL, the DEL2, but KHL is not my bag. So I'm wondering, like, where is the appetite for this kind of thing? Like, who's going to be going to these games? Who's going to be flying out? Um, and what that really means to, like, the UK's elite league as well, the fact that the UK league even doesn't have a team in London, yet some league that happens in Russia is going to have a team in London. And the NHL aren't even interested in putting one game in London. It's just like, what is going on? I don't understand. But you were saying when you kind of delved into the KHL thing that you found that KHL has already done what NHL hasn't done and they've gone and expanded into China. Yeah. yeah and I didn't know this. Yeah, I didn't know until I had a look at the research today it's there and there was another really random um area that they've got one as well was it like middle east maybe i don't know um dubai? dubai dubai i know i know um a couple of guys that got flown out who were uh from uh czech republic who got flown out to do some ice hockey training camps in dubai or abu dhabi <laughs> I want to say uh, I know it was mental one minute they're playing hockey in Manchester the next minute I'm looking at the Instagram feed and they're training people out in Abu Dhabi or Dubai no, one that's of them not, so you got Belarus China Finland Kazakhstan Latvia and Russia wow so Belarus China Finland Kazakhstan and Latvia have one team each and Russia has 19 teams I mean the, the thing about Russia right I mean, I've got a map behind me. Um, and, like, Russia is massive. It is a massive country, isn't it? Mm. Like, even just to travel and play in Russia, like, would be insane. To then throw a few more countries and a few more time zones in. I mean, how do you even begin to put a schedule like that together? You're not going to be talking 82 games for sure, are you? 
you're surely going to be talking more like 50 games a season. Because it, uh, the logistics of it. Yeah, season. Well, I, I, we don't have to like know all the ins and outs, but yeah, I know. It's I was... a bit like why, who, and um, and also the stereotypes that I hear about like the KHL and um, some of the teams out in Eastern Europe where they, you know the guys get paid um, in cash and then they have to like literally go and. Um, put the cash under their mattress before they go play the game and they can't deposit it they have to deposit in the bank because otherwise they might get robbed of it or something like that you know um it it, like any kind of associations with the with the mafia or something these are all stereotypes there's no basis of this stuff but you hear these stories and it's a bit like what we'd have like especially you know we've kind of mentioned here about the politics the politics with Russia right now. I mean, oh God, do we want to go there? It's like it, it, there's just so much to call upon this. That is like, what the hell is going on? The only thing I know of KHL is if the if you're drafting players out of the KHL, most of the time um, they'll get sent back, or the Russian teams will have ownership of them for another two years, like um. Uh, there's, and now I'm forgetting the name. Um, he looked like he was going to get drafted top three, top four last year, and up get drafted around number eleven or twelve. It's like a steal, and he's still in Russia for another two years before. He's, I think Philadelphia ended up drafting before they'll get um, ownership of him over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's all I've ever really looked into. It. The only other thing that got me interested was the um movie that came out earlier this year, The Russian Five, about Detroit's five um, Russians and how they went over there to draft players and had to smuggle them out of the country and they had to get scouts into the country without um, being, like, alerting people what they were doing and then underhand deals to get them into the States and all this sort of stuff. Um, Oh, my God. I don't... There's We don't hear anything obviously about it here so that was like when you said london didn't have a team so i don't follow the the english league at all the uk league sorry um i didn't even know that that seems weird to me that london doesn't have a team no and and not even really like a big rink there's not even a team in london for like the lower leagues as well it you know hockey has been primarily outside of london um yeah Scotland and England have really dominated when it it come to hockey and long long traditions as well, particularly like out in Edinburgh as well. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, I mean, running a franchise um, hockey club is a very interesting thing, and I've been lucky enough to kind of see how it works when you're getting one up and running. Um, like behind the scenes, even right down to kind of organising players' visa situation. Um, you know, the UK is not an easy place to come and get in and work if you are a foreigner, right? You know, there's a lot of tight visa rules. Um, so it's kind of, it, it, it's a fascinating thing of how on earth it would all work, the business of it, the appetite for it, let alone the logistics. Um, yeah, you know, and we're talking about like in 
um, you know, I mentioned this in the North American sports chat as well. In in Sheffield and Nottingham, I think the capacity is about five thousand um, for the games. So, where in London are these guys going to play? Um, like, and and how big? You know, you, we're not really talking Wembley. We're not going to see no. people come to Wembley, which is what the headline will feel like. So that's that's what that's I find good. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, on the article, saying ice hockey at Wembley, question mark. Like, you know, 20 years ago, that was the norm. Manchester Arena down the road from me here was seeing thousands and thousands of people. I think the, the peak was like 13,000 or something. Um, and it was a big deal. And they also had loads of boxing here. But sports changed. You know, I think the TV industry has changed how people watch and engage in sports people want to watch it on tv at home rather than necessarily come out so clubs have to work harder to get people to literally put bums on seats to come out to a game and there's so much more variety it's so competitive now that yeah i mean it's one to watch really and i'd be really fascinated actually if anybody who is listening to this podcast is a fan of the khl maybe you also love nhl but you also have some amount of time, as much as Adam does, to like follow other leagues and sports because it's a world that I am I don't know very much about. Um, and a part of me doing this podcast is I've opened my mind to not just be Toronto Maple Leaf, but firstly like thirty-one teams, which is like an undertaking, and that was mad. But this year for me is learning about um ahl is learning more about um what kind of goes on in scouting i've been listening to a lot of that more about the management of how these businesses work who's coming through and then now i've got another one on my list what the heck is khl and what's going on with china so every week is like a a school week for me doing this podcast that's for sure and i'm intrigued so um drop me an email if you know any little places that i can get more information on this that um, name I was looking for was Vasily Podkolzin, and he went that, to Vancouver. Vancouver, at number yeah. 10. Sorry. Yes. And early in the season, he was in the top three conversation before Hughes and Capo. Capo separated themselves, but he was looking. And the thing that, that shot him in the foot is he didn't have the production, but he played for 13 teams in one season mm-hmm. because he kept progressing and changing, playing for national team. But he's um yeah he's back at SKA Neva, sorry in the VHL. Is that like the underneath the KHL then? I'm having a look. I mean, basically, you just stick a letter yeah. on before HL, and there's a league called it, isn't there somewhere? The Supreme Hockey League, and the rest of the articles in Russian. So yeah. <laughs> so surely it should be the SHL. Also known as the Major Hockey League or Higher Hockey League. There's oh a professional God. ice hockey league in Eurasia. It's the second highest level of Russia. It's just, it's, it gets ridiculous, doesn't it? Yeah. You could go uh, on Elite Prospects and type any kind of word before HL and there's, there's a league for it. Uh, Let me just mention uh, um, Britbolt Centre's a um, uh, uh, question here. Fighting in the NHL in today's world that we live in is there no place drop on the gloves or do we need to emphasize it more like the old days to show that we are not going soft i've seen a few comments from people wanting it to be banned and out the sport what are our thoughts he's put i'm all for the fights it's a fast-paced physical sport adrenaline takes over for me there is every need to give a guy a slap that hits your teammate or goalie 
it's risen again since the Lutic hit suspension. Should he have been suspended or was he protecting his goalie? Yeah, yeah, what this is a debate that, gosh, we probably throw this at the end of the podcast is not the best, really. Um, I, I changed my mind about this before. I used to be the same opinion of, I think that fights are a crucial part of this game. Um, but then, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's just, I also, I'm starting to enjoy more about the speed and the skill and, Maybe I've just been uh, brainwashed watching Toronto Maple Leafs now. <laughs> I'm just kind of enjoying that 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 momentum, that speed of it. I was thinking last week actually, if um, Toronto got through to the playoffs, and I'm saying if <laughs> I'm not going there. Like we played, um, we played uh, blah, 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 Las Las Vegas Knights, and we played Philadelphia Flyers in the last week. I honestly thought the game against Las Vegas Knights was quite boring. It just, you know, it just, the, the speed wasn't there. And I don't know if it was just like the combination, the chemistry between the two teams. But the game, both games against Philadelphia Flyers was energetic. There was plenty of hits going on. There was physicality, but there weren't fights. There were, it was so quick from end to end to end. It was like more than a game of like ping pong, slam hockey, whatever you want to call it. It was it was exciting to watch and I kind of just sat there and thought I really actually like it when it's speedy maybe I'm changing like the way the game is maybe my opinion is changing and like you picked out the fact that our favorite player who we all love to hate who is just on an absolute roll there's no denying he is one of the best players right now in the league Brad Marchand that your man managed to... He didn't quite get a punch to the face, did he? He punched no, him in the ribs. No, it was the kidney. The kidney, the kidney punch, yeah. So just, oh, um, what, what game is it? So if people want to Google, if you're having a bad day and you just want to watch Brad Marchand being punched, um, what do they need to Google? Oh, Red Wings, Boston. Was that last week? Um, I watched that. Yeah, Sunday night. So what was the Saturday? name of your player again? Oh, Philip Hronick. F-I-L-I-P-H-R-O-N-E-K. He's our top defender in his 22 or something. But, yeah, um, Marshan was doing his normal thing through the whole game. We actually outplayed them through that game. Um, Bernier, actually, the goalie, did a filthy save against Pasternak, and Pasternak was just standing there just looking in surprise and shocked that it didn't go in point blank. And um, if that had gone in, it would have been a different game. But we dominated them, and Marshan was trying to do his little shot here shot there mouth and off um and he slammed Ronick, Ronick slammed him back and then it was kind of let's go and a couple of kidney punches in there and it was good it was nice to put him in his place for a bit and oh, i just love beating boston that was fantastic <laughs> yeah i think that deserves uh, a medal in itself do you know what you should go through so to the second round of the playoffs just for that <laughs> Well, yeah. you were saying with the Vegas game, our game the next night, uh, uh, the next game against them, sorry, was really boring. There was only 19 shots at the end of the second period together, like combined. Wow. And then in the last 10 minutes, we scored two goals and beat them uh, 3-2. So it was 2-1 going to the last turn. There'd been 19 shots all together. And it was slow. And you see players were tired. And it was... Horrible, and the last ten minutes was like, "Oh my god, this game is awesome!" 
what the hell happened for the last 50 minutes? That's the thing, um, right, isn't it? Because, like, for us, we obviously, the games are on really late at night. And quite often, I think Ross, the Bruins fan, said he does the same as me. I'll watch the first period live and then I'll go to bed and I'll pick up and watch the second or third. So most of the time at the end of the first, I'm like, ah, nil nil. Not really going our way, is it this? You wake up in the morning and like you, you click on your fantasy league and you're like, what? What? what, yeah. what? How, how was it like 8-1 or something? You know what I mean? You're like, what, what just happened? Last week. Yeah. Boston like, were up 2-0 and ended up 6-4 or something. I think that was the right game. Yeah. I was watching that going, Pittsburgh aren't in there, say. This game is mental. And um, like, just to finish, so we've got to like, talk about the elephant in the room, okay? This week in our NHL Fans from Rafa Fantasy League, oh, yes. the matchup is you versus me. Um, I, can't, I don't think I've seen who's going to win, but right now, I'd just like to Projected. say a little, just to boost my ego, before I lose, I am five and zero oh, uh, for my wins in our fantasy league, and Jolon is zero oh for five. Just want to is point it? that out. Uh, um, yeah, I'm looking at the league. Yep, five and zero. Oh. Yep, and I'm um, four and one, and I lost to Matt Bunch of Jerks. The uh, only loss I've had was to the other five and zero. Oh. So right now, I'm looking at our matchup, and it's saying that if everything goes to plan, as we have. I'm going to finish with 366.95 points and you're going to finish with 359.05. Talk about close. I mean... I'm just... Oh, Eric Kula's out and that's um, a big one for me because he's been on fire. But you could, uh, you could finally take my first win away from me. Like oh my, yeah. my sixth win. I, I, could, I could end up being five and one or I could be six and oh. I like, come on. Yeah, you could be. I'm finding it hard to get a spot for Nathan McKinnon in my team at the moment. Yeah. Which is so, really weird. It's, it's weird because Larkin is on Detroit, but because our team can't score, there's only one line that score. He's just putting up bulk points, even though he's in such a bad team. I think what Larkin. I've really learned from doing the fantasy is, and you're right, listening to like fantasy on ice. Um, initially, when I started this, I was like, this is too overwhelming. But I've just did, I do a little bit. I look a little bit every morning. I just take five mm. minutes out. And um, it's certainly making me like pay attention to other games, having like bigger yeah. perspective. Um, you notice like even like um, Claude Giroux the other day uh, mm. got, got a goal um, against Toronto. And part of me was like, Yes. <laughs> Which uh, I was like, that's oh. fine. You can score, Claude, but just don't win. Um, uh, the, the, the worst thing is when it's the last day, you've got three players left, and they're on the team versus your actual team. So you'll have three players, say, versus Toronto, and you need those three players to score up here to win your ice hockey matchup. But if they play well, Toronto is probably going to lose. So you yeah. kind of. I want to win, but I want to win 6-5 or I want our goalie to have a shocker or something like that. It, it really tears you because you actually get really um, attached to your fantasy team by the end of the season. So, yeah, I, I make... saw that. I had that in the back of my mind. I was wondering if you are going to bring that up. Mm, yeah, it's going to be tight, isn't it? Well, yeah. may the best man win. That's what I'm going to say. Who, who have Toronto got? I've not even looked at my schedule this week. Oh, God, do I actually want to? Because I've got a lot of Toronto players. Okay. Oh, God. This is not good. We've got New York Islanders, 
Boston and Pittsburgh. <laughs> they're, against, they're against like two of the best goalie tandems at the moment. And I'm, I'm basically, I'm against you, who is going to probably win the league. This is not a good week for me. No, it's only three matches in good age. So yeah. You never five. know what's going to happen. Five. Because I've got five and oh. Not that I'm counting or anything. Uh, uh, yeah, right. Anyway, it's been really cool to talk hockey on, well, what for me is a Tuesday morning. I'm now off to go to the dentist and you get to go to bed and then go get up and go to work, right? What, what could happen yes, in 24 uh, hours? As someone uh, could be fired. We could have a new goalie. Steve Eisenman will pull another trade out and announce it at 11.30pm on a Friday night as he's done for us. <laughs> Well, I hope you get some time to like actually watch some hockey in your mad schedule. And um, thanks as always. So you, you're going to be back like like the end of the year when we're catching up next, right? See whether you're still tanking. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Nice one. Thanks very much, Adam. Um, for those who are listening, you can join our Slack group. Uh, you can email us. You can follow us on Twitter main way just to find out how to connect us is email nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com next week we're talking new york rangers will they find their feet and have the successful season that we were all hoping they would or will they tank and will they be disappearing down towards detroit we'll find out have a great week whatever you get up to